Welcome to the Happy Valley Baptist Church Sermons Podcast. We are so glad that you have decided to listen to the message that God has brought through Brother Tara Henderson this week. This sermon was recorded on Friday, October 8, 2021, and released on Friday, October 22, 2021. This week's message is the third night from our revival at Happy Valley Baptist Church. My prayer is that this message is a blessing to you and moves the Holy Spirit to start a revival in your own life. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the sermon. We have been so blessed this week, and it's evidence to see all the people that are coming back night after night. So, Brother Tar, you must not be running too many people off. <laughs> Brother Tar Henderson is a real blessing to us all, and you come on now and give us what the Lord's laid on your heart. Thank you, Gary. I just want you guys to know how much I love and appreciate your pastor, and I just want you to know how much he loves and appreciates you guys. The more I'm around Gary, as he said last night, he appreciated me the more I was around him. Well, I'm going to give him a compliment in return. It's been a good time. The only difference is, is he feeds me, so see, you know, there's a little something in there for you, me, so... But I do appreciate Brother Gary. I know his heart for the Lord, and I sense his heart for the people. And that really is something that is important to me. For those of you who may not have been here on the first night, I actually am a staff member on the Baptist Convention of New Mexico staff. And so all across our state with Southern Baptist churches, we have about 335 uh, I work with those churches, and so Gary is one of those pastors and churches that, that I work with, and it's just a pleasure to be around him, and it has been my pleasure for sure to be able to get to worship together with Sunrise and the way that the Lord has blessed them, and I just so appreciate them, and thank you guys for being here tonight. I look forward to being with you this evening and hope you're able to come back again for the remainder of our time together in these revival meetings. But as we move on into tonight's service, I want you to think about something with me. Have you ever come to that place where you've tried to fix something and you fixed the wrong thing? You know, when I was a young man, I wound up and I was having some trouble electrical in my pickup. And so uh, I went out there and I changed the plug wires and nothing. I wound up and changed the plugs, nothing. I wound up and did some other things there, and it just wasn't working. And it wound up, and I had at the very back of that engine on that Chevrolet motor at 350, on the very back, that very last plug. Now, if you've had one of those 350 motors back in about 87, you know that you can change all the seven plugs just like that except for that one plug that you're out there all night long trying to get to. Well, I changed all those things out and I kept driving that thing, you know, just not knowing what it was until one night I was out there and it got a little bit late on me and I opened the hood and was looking around there and it got dark enough to where when I had the engine running, I could see that little spark over there, that little light, just boom, 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 every time it would hit that. And I figured out that that one single plug was the culprit. I'd fixed everything around it, but the one plug had that little small crack in it. You know, I think we're a lot like that in our world today. 
We're real good at seeing everybody else's mistakes. You see, that's not something that we should be too ashamed of because when we look all the way back in the Old Testament, we see that already Adam began to put the blame on Eve. If we could just fix that woman you made me, Lord, well, we would get all these things straightened out. And then we have Cain over there with Abel. He's putting the blame over there on him because his sacrifice was pleasing unto the Lord and Cain's wasn't. So we're going to put the blame over there. And then we've got Saul that's putting the blame on Samuel because he wouldn't have messed up if Samuel would have just got there in time. And then we kind of move a little forward to where we're at in our world today and how quickly we revert to those times of old where we want to blame our boss. We want to blame our wife or our wife wants to blame her husband. We want to blame the kids and the kids want to blame each other. And if they, they don't have a sibling, they want to blame the dog. We always want to play the blame game. And there's a whole lot of blame and shame going on in our world today. You see, it's real easy to blame all the leaders. It's real easy to blame the president and blame everybody else. And don't worry, I ain't getting political. I'm just stating the facts. It's a whole lot easier, in other words, to see everybody else's faults. But the last I checked, according to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, where we started these revival meetings, were all about the Word of God where it said, if my people will humble, what, each other? <laughs> if my people will humble their wife or their husband, well, we'll straighten this thing out. No, it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. In other words, it's individual. It is something that, yes, collectively and corporately, we may experience revival as God bends down and breathes breath into this spark that we have. But you see, the fact of the matter is, is we're not going to do anybody any favors walking around blaming everyone else when the person that God wants to fix is me. If we're going to experience revival, it begins with me. And so, my friends, tonight I want to invite you to do a little bit of introspection with me, if you will. We're going to turn to Ephesians. The Apostle Paul had written Ephesians, and we talked even about Ephesians, the churches there, as, as we looked at the church at Ephesus in our first night of the revival, revival meetings together, when we talked about the Apostle John and his writing about the vision that he saw with Jesus, and Jesus had a word for the church at Ephesus, and it was all about some good things they were doing, but then he stated the fact, but I have this against you, you have left your first love. Well, this is the church, and the church is in that area that the Apostle Paul was writing to. And in the first three chapters, the Apostle Paul is writing about the doctrinal issues. While he's there in prison in Rome, he is writing to them about how they are saved. They're not saved because they're church members. They're not saved because they've done some good things. They are only saved by the shed blood of Jesus Christ who made them righteous before a holy God. And so then he moves on in chapter 4 and he begins to get through all of the theological emphasis on how they were saved 
And then he began to look at, now what is that going to look like since you are saved? So I want us to turn first and foremost to the first three verses in chapter 4, and then we're going to move on over to verses 17 and following. And for those of you who know I'm a little long-winded, don't worry, we're not going to go all the way from 17 through as we exegete and expose the Scripture tonight. We're just going to be looking at a, a handful of those in the latter part. But if you'll turn with me there in your copy of God's Word, I'm going to be reading these first three verses because the Apostle Paul is writing, therefore, in this first verse. And what did I say last night? Anytime the word therefore is there, we need to ask it what it's there for. Well, it's because he's been speaking about the way they were saved and how they were saved and how God has brought them together as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, both Jew and Gentile. And now he says this. You see, I don't know whether you remember, but Jew and Gentile didn't get along too good. So he writes these words, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. What on earth does that mean and what does it look like? Well, he goes on to explain a little bit of that. We can walk worthy in a manner of the call in which God has placed on us with all humility and gentleness and patience showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, I wanted to set this up tonight because if we miss the fact that the Apostle Paul is talking about unity in this chapter, then we're going to misunderstand a whole lot of things. He desires for the body of Christ to be unified, just as he does over as he writes the, the letter of the, to the Philippians. He is speaking about the unity that he desires between Jew and Gentile, slave and free, all of those that come together as the body of Christ. And he shares with us a little glimpse of what that looks like. And then he moves on over in verse 17. And if you'll follow with me there, I want to read this entire piece from 17 through thir verse 32 so that we can get a context for what the Apostle Paul is wanting to share with them. He says, as he writes, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside all falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. 
Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer this evening? Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is timeless and relevant even in our 21st century in which we live in today. God, thank you for speaking to us tonight. And I pray that you would open our ears to hear and open our hearts to receive. And that, Lord God, that you would do a mighty work in and through us. And that you would begin to move in our hearts to where revival would take place. Because, Lord God, we know that we desperately need it in our world today. We need it in our individual lives. We need it in our families. We need it in our communities. We need it in this great state of New Mexico. And, Lord God, we need it in the nation and even to the extremities of every ends of the earth. God, we need revival. So, Lord, do a work in me tonight. In the name of Jesus, I ask and I pray. Amen. As we take a look at this passage of Scripture here tonight, I want us to understand that Paul really is setting the precedence that because we are saved, we cannot live in the darkness any longer. You see, we're children of the light, according to Ephesians 5. We don't need to live in darkness any longer like the Gentiles. And that word, of course, in that particular context was speaking of the pagan culture. Those people that were outside of the faith. Those people that didn't have a right relation with Jesus, Jesus Christ. And he said, you don't need to act like them any longer. So there's four things that I want us to go through tonight in verses 25 through 32. He's already set the context up as he's writing to them that we no longer need to walk the way that we formerly walked in darkness. As we were lost, as we were not in the faith, right with holy God. And then he begins to say it this way. Take off those things. Last night... I talked about showering. Remember that? Now, now I want to make sure that I, that I help you to understand. It does not mean that I don't like to be clean. I like to be clean. I just don't like to waste my time showering. You know what I mean. Well, the Apostle Paul, when he speaks about this, we can kind of get an understanding of what he's saying. We don't wind up and take off the old if we're not going to clean, be clean and put on the new. Okay, here's what I'm saying with that. When I take a shower and get all cleaned up, I don't put dirty clothes back on. And that's what the Apostle Paul is stating here for us. He said, we no longer live in the dark anymore, so strip those clothes off. Get rid of those things that are immoral. Get rid of those things that are outside of what would honor the Lord Jesus Christ. But we don't want to run around as naked Christians either. So there's some things that we need to put on. There's some things that we need to clothe ourselves 
as Jesus has clothed us in righteousness. So there's four things that I want us to take a look at tonight, beginning in verse 25. And you may feel a little bit of pressure on your toes tonight every time that I begin to look at this passage of Scripture as well as its parallel passage in Colossians. I feel a little pressure on my toes as well. And so when we look at verse 25, we hear the words of the Apostle Paul from the first century world. Therefore, laying aside all falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. First and foremost, we're going to see that the Apostle Paul is concerned about the way that they speak. He is concerned about the way that they use their mouth. And the first thing that he speaks about is that you need to put off the falsehood. You need to put off the lying that you formerly did before you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now I know none of you have any trouble at all with lying. None of you have that issue. But I'll tell you, it's maybe like the old pastor that was out there one day looking out his office window and he saw a bunch of kids out there and an old stray dog. And he went out there and he said, what are you boys doing? And they said, well, we found this stray dog and we decided that whoever told the best lie got the stray dog. And he said, well, I never would have done that when I was a kid. And all the boys, they kind of looked around at each other and one of them said, I guess he gets the dog. <laughs> We're all prone to tell those lies. Maybe to make things a little better than what they sound. And what Paul is speaking about is you need to put off the falsehood. You need to put off the lies. Why? Is because lies hurt people. Lies cause conflict. Lies cause division. And what are we speaking about once again from verse 1 of chapter 4? Unity, patience, love, preference for one another. And so if you're lying, you're going to have a problem with division. And so just as he said in, in Colossians 3, 9, he said, Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. So he's got a resolution there. He's got an alternative. He doesn't just want you to put off something, but he wants you to put on something. And that is his solution is speak truth to one another. Why? Is because God is the God of truth. We hear it from Jesus Christ as he said, I am the way, the truth. And the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. We see it over in Titus chapter 1 where God is the one who cannot lie. We see it in Hebrews. Over and over we recognize that it is the very nature of God to be honest and truthful. But now we find there's something else about our speech. And for those that were in that first century world. Now this may even step on two or three toes. He speaks about in verse 29 that we need to tame the tongue. We need to tame the tongue according to how he writes this. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Now I'll read the rest of that uh, sentence here in just a few moments. But let's get a grasp of that. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. Unwholesome literally means rotten language. Unwholesome means foul language. Now that doesn't mean that it's just someone that's out there cussing up a storm. 
you know what? That just really gets all over me. I'll tell you a quick little story. When my daughter was going to Fort Worth, one of the schools there, while I was in seminary, I came in and ate lunch with her one day, and there was a little friend of hers that sat over there, and he said, you know what? Your daughter said you never cuss. And I said, nope, I don't. And he said, you never cuss? And I said, well, I really hadn't felt that it was needful any time, you know, and so no. And he said, well, my daddy, when he gets out there and he hits his hammer, his finger with a hammer, he hollers out a big cuss word. And so I just kind of got smart with him, and I said, did it make his thumb feel better? And he looked at me, and he said, I don't guess so. And I said, that's the reason I don't cuss. It didn't fix my finger. So the word of the, what the Apostle Paul was speaking of is let no unwholesome word. But it also goes a little further there. It speaks about slander. It speaks about gossip. It speaks about unwholesome or vulgar talk. It speaks about those when we mock others or put them down. You see, the Apostle Paul is not just worried about lying, and he's not just worried about foul language as it comes out of our mouth in a cuss word. He's worried about how we speak in a way that would honor the Lord and uplift others. Because he concludes the sentence there in verse 29 with, he says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but... Only such a word as is good for edification to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. In other words, what he's saying is if it's not building up one another, then don't say it. Remember how your mom always told you if you don't have anything good to say, then don't say it? That's basically what the Apostle Paul is saying. Don't let that word come out of your mouth if it's not going to be edifying and building up those in whom you're speaking with. I like to think of it this way. Just because we think it doesn't mean we have to say it. You ever been with somebody and they begin to blurt out something and you're just like, oh man, I wish I had some duct tape because they really need some on their mouth right now. They think it and it immediately comes out of their mouth. Well, I'm not going to have time tonight to go through all the passages of Scripture, but I just want us to recognize the Apostle Paul is not the only one that's concerned about our language. You see, Jesus was concerned about our language because he said that our words reveal our character. Our words reveal the very nature of the person we are. So if you have foul words that are coming out of your mouth, if you have slander and gossip and vulgar speech that's coming out of your mouth, you're giving people a window to your soul of who you really are. Now remember, this is not Tar Henderson speaking. This is the word of God in which the Apostle Paul said, you no longer are in that lifestyle anymore. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. So clean up your mouth. When we think about it, we need to think about the constructive words are helpful. I want us to quickly turn to Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12. There's just a few I want to run through you right quick. Proverbs chapter 12 is one of those that I think is just a good reminder as well as Proverbs chapter 15 as well. Let me get over there. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 18 reads this way. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. 
Did you hear that? Those constructive words, edifying words. Turn over a page to Roman, uh, excuse me, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now look, if you will, in verse 4 of that same passage. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. You see what I'm saying about the way that we speak? Look in chapter 16, if you will, verse 23 and 24. It reads this way. The heart of the wise instructs his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. You see, the Apostle Paul desires for us to be men and women, boys and girls, that when we speak, we actually speak words of life. That when we speak, we actually speak words that will build up one another, edify, encourage one another, and not tear each other down. I've got a little test for you here. If you think before you speak and you say, if I wouldn't say it to Jesus then don't say it to anybody else. It's a good way of thinking how we would word things or speak to one another. But there's a second thing that the Apostle Paul begins to touch on. And quickly, we'll just go through that. It's in verse 28. And he says, He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. I want us to hear the, the, the words from the Apostle Paul. He said, look, maybe in your former life you were a thief. Maybe in your former life you were a cheater. But no longer do you need to live with that type of mentality. You need to stop stealing. It reminds me of the story of the two brothers who were coal dealers. And one of them was converted to Christianity. And he asked and he continued to persuade the other one, why won't you become a Christian too? And his brother said, it's fine for you, but if I'll become a Christian, who will weigh the coal? You see, he was a cheater. We don't need to cheat. We don't need to steal. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and, and, and criminate yourself tonight. But are those those times that you're willing to cheat on your taxes? Maybe maneuver things or manipulate things to where you would ultimately receive more back than what you should or cheat someone else in any way. You see, the words of the Apostle Paul are pretty strict on the fact that we don't need to steal, but we don't need to be about stealing or cheating in any way. But we ought to work. God honors work. Let's take a look at 2 Thessalonians real quick. 2 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul once again writes these words. From his pages written by the pen and on the scroll, he writes in verse 7 through 13 in chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians. He said, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example, because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with labor and hardship we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. 
not because we do not have the right to do this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you so that you would follow our example. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. Wow, where would we be in today's society if we didn't work and, and they didn't get to eat? be a whole lot of skinny people. For we hear that some among you are leading in an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. No such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. You see what Paul is speaking about? Kind of going back to what we've heard so many times. Idle hands are the work of the devil. It brings us to a point, and that's just the same. But the truth of the matter is, if we're not willing to work, and we're not willing to take care of our family, and we're not willing to take care of our own needs, then why should anyone else? Now, as the church, we come alongside, and we help people that are in need. We help people that cannot work. But I'm just saying that God honors that work. He honors the work ethic and that desire to uh, please him. And then the third thing that we see here tonight, and that is that he speaks about back up in verse 26 and 27. He says, Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now I want to walk through this real quick because some people may believe that you're never to be angry. Well, that's not what the Apostle Paul says. He says, Be angry and yet do not sin. So in other words, there are some types, or at least one type, of a righteous anger. And then there are some anger issues that need to be dealt with because they're not honoring to the Lord. He deals with this from four different types of anger. Four different Greek words that speak about the different types of anger. You see, when we want to talk about anger, we just talk about one word, anger, in the, in the English language. Kind of like when I say I love my wife, I use one word. It's the same word I use to say I love my dog, I love my bluebell ice cream, and I love anything else. But in the Greek, it's different because you have four words there that, that speak about love. Three of those which are in Scripture, one of those that is more in classical Greek. It's the same way with anger. There's four different words, and I want us to get a grasp on what they mean. And so look here, if you will, in these, this passage in which Paul is written, and he describes these four different types of anger. I'm going to describe these different types of anger. The first one is from the Greek word thumos, which is rage. In other words, that is an all-out explosion. That is when you're driving down the road and you just see somebody go off. Now, I live in the mountains of Teheris, and uh, so I'm about 13 miles out of Teheris, and we've had two shootings at the bottom of the hill before you get onto 40 because of the road rage that takes place on 337 going down the hill. It's a windy road, it's a slow road, and people are impatient, and there's been two shootings that go through there. That's the word that we're speaking about here. That's the word that the Apostle Paul uses in verse 31 that actually in the New American Standard is translated wrath. He, when he says, let all bitterness and wrath. That type of anger is an explosive anger. Then we also find out 
that there's another type of anger here, and that is the word orga. Orga is used 36 times in the New Testament, and orga means revenge. It's the type of word that is used over in Romans chapter 12, verse 19. And in Romans 12, verse 19, it reads as such. Let me get there quickly. It reads this way. Romans 12, 19. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. Once again, translated in the New American Standard, wrath. Here in verse 30 or 26 in the, or excuse me, 31, it's also translated as anger and wrath. Anger in the New American Standard. But it's talking about a premeditated anger. It's talking about when you think through how you're going to take revenge on someone. And so Paul said, not only are you not to have wrath, something that's explosive anger, not only are you not supposed to have a premeditated anger, but then he uses a third word. And the third word he uses is the word resentment here in verse 26b. It's, it's, uh, it's a word that is used in different ways, but I want us to see as I flip back over here to, to Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, he uses this in the last part of 26 when he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Anger is ultimately only used one time in this sense, and it means anger. It's used in that sense. Don't let the sun go down on your anger or your sense of resentment, your sense of, 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 of you know, um, uh, that sense of, of anger that is hidden. I want to tell you that this type of anger is a type of anger that's like a volcano that you don't see until it begins to bubble up and simmer over the top. My grandpa, who's gone on to be with the Lord, and my dad one time had a fight, and they didn't talk to each other for two years. And all of it was over the fact that my dad grew a beard and mustache. Now my grandpa was a deacon of the church. We called him Papa. He was a deacon of the church. But he got so mad at my dad and they would not talk. We didn't have Christmas. We didn't go over to see him. All because my dad grew a beard and a mustache. It was that hidden type anger. Fortunately, they resolved that before my grandpa got cancer and passed away. Don't have that type of anger, Paul says. It's not befitting of a person in the faith. And then the final piece is the anger that is used in the first word in verse 26. And that word is angry. Or gizomai is the actual Greek word. And it means angry which speaks of a righteous anger. Like Jesus had when he turned over the, temple, uh, turned over the tables in the temple. It means when you have an anger over something that is sinful. An anger over something that would displease God or is that is unholy. So Paul says as he begins this very passage, be angry, yes, but do not be angry in a way that would lead you to sin. My friends, there's a lot of things that we can have a righteous anger over. 
We can have a righteous anger over the many children, unborn children that are born or not born through abortion every year in our country. We can have a righteous anger over the sex trafficking that's taking place all across our nation. We can have an anger, a righteous anger, when little boys and little girls are taken advantage of. There's so many ways that we can have a righteous anger. But I fear that oftentimes we may fall into one of these other categories of anger that leads us to look more like the lost world than it does lead us to look like Christ in the way that we act. We need to tame the temper. Just remember that the word anger is only one letter short of danger. When we're not careful, we let our anger happen. And it's a dangerous cycle that begins to take place. Anger made Cain kill Abel and Saul lose his throne and Moses smite the rock and didn't get to go into the promised land. All those things were because of anger. How many marriages have been dissolved over anger? How many young people have left their home and ran away because of anger? Anger is something that we've got to control. And let me just share with you, we can by the Holy Spirit's help. Because in and of ourselves, none of us can do that without the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And now we're going to come to a close here tonight as we take a look at verse 32. We're going to end on this because I think it is a summary, if you will, of all of what Paul is speaking about. It comes to this point where he writes, and we'll jump up there in verse 31 and then, and then come to the close. He says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. And then he gives the contrast. He gives the difference, the alternative to those things. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Remember that Christ was placed on that cruel cross 2,000 years ago by choice, willingly, so that He may die to pay the sin debt for you and for me that we deserved. And so if He's willing to forgive us of our sins, shouldn't we be willing to forgive others who have also sinned against us? My wife is not here tonight, and I wish she could be, and I'd just let her tell the story. But we've been married 31 years, and she grew up in a home in which she had a loving mom, but she had an absent dad. And in that home, her dad made lots of promises. Yes, Elaine, I'll come to your ball game. And never made it. Yes, Elaine, I'll make sure and be there at that birthday party because her parents had divorced and, and never made it. Yes, Elaine, I'll make sure and make it there to the, to the pictures, you know, for the family and never made it. And the promises went on and on and on and on. Early in her adult life, they reconciled some of those differences and, and they were able to kind of work through a little bit and, and they met together a few times and then it happened again. And lots of promises and he never called. And my wife is just stubborn enough to say, I'm not calling. I'm not going to do it. 
He can call me. And during that time, I was caring for her, trying to encourage her, trying to continue to go back to God's word and help her to know what it says. As she well knows, she's a, she's a Bible scholar. Eight years, they never talked. And finally, the Lord convicted her. Elaine, you'll never be free and experience God's peace if you don't reach out and offer that forgiveness. He may never change. But the problem is, is that you're captive to the anger and the bitterness and resentment in your heart. And one day with all the, all the things that she could muster together, she called her dad and she forgave him. And you know what? He didn't change. But she's got peace now. After eight long years, she has peace because she recognized that just as Jesus had forgiven her, she needed to extend that forgiveness to her dad. My friends, there's a lot of things that we point out in everybody else that we want to fix. But tonight, God wants to deal with you. He wants to deal with you. He wants to deal with your mouth. He wants to deal with your thoughts. He wants to deal with your anger. He wants to deal with your bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. And he will and he can in this time right now. If you'll just humble yourself before him and you'll just confess that before him, he will absolutely forgive you and cleanse you and restore you to a right relationship with himself this evening. Would you bow for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come to you tonight. And you know, we live in such a hectic, messed up world. Lord, I can just be real honest. Sometimes it's hard not to get just overwhelmed with frustration. Frustration with the way people drive. Frustration with the way people talk. Frustration with the way that you're treated. Frustration with the decisions that are made. Frustration with everything. And yet, Lord God, if we're really honest, the only one that we have the ability to control is me. And only that by your power and your spirit working in me. So, Lord God, tonight I pray that as we bow for this time of prayer and we, and we get prepared for this time of response, I pray that you would speak to these individuals by your Spirit. And that, Lord God, if there is anything that they need to come before you and they need to confess, that tonight would be the night that they would confess that, that they would get it off their chest, and that, Lord God, in that, in agreeing with you, that, Lord God, you would bring about forgiveness and cleansing and healing and to a place to where they can feel your peace and your presence once again in a powerful way. Would you do that tonight, Lord God, and bring about the very spark of revival in us tonight? In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message today. I pray that you know Jesus as your personal Savior. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior and would like to talk with someone, we would love to talk with you. 
We are in the Carlsbad, New Mexico area at 4103 West Texas Street. Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. and Sunday morning services start at 10.45 a.m. We also have a Wednesday night Bible study that meets at 6 p.m. We encourage you to get connected to a local church in your community and get involved in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. To stay up to date on all the happenings at Happy Valley Baptist Church, you can go to facebook.com hvbcnm. That is facebook.com hvbcnm, as in Happy Valley Baptist Church, New Mexico. To find additional podcast sermons, you can go to podcast.hvbcnm.org. Thank you and God bless.